Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today we're talking with uscfootball.com writer and columnist Dan Weber. All about USC football. Got a bunch of questions you guys have sent in. Certainly things have slowed down a little bit. We gave Harvey Hyde the week off, so there was no show on Monday. Apologize for that. We've been doing so many shows, we needed to like take a little break, and uh, it was nice. But we, do, we did get a bunch of questions for Dan, so we wanted to have him come in and answer those and talk about what's going on with the team, which has been rather quiet lately after a whole lot of crazy stuff going on. So if you have questions for us, we love to hear from you. Let us know who the question's for. Send it in to podcast at uscfootball.com. Try to keep it brief. If you want to do a voicemail, same thing. Be specific who you want it for. Try to keep it brief. 641-715-3900 is the number. Extension 816-646. You can also leave a voicemail on our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page on your computer or your device. And, of course, the best way to subscribe is on iTunes.com slash Podcast. we got our own URL from iTunes. You can go in and subscribe. You can uh, leave us a rating. A five-star thing would be great. Some comments, all that kind of stuff. It's a great way to promote the show. So we'd appreciate it if you do that, iTunes.com slash Podcast. So let's bring in Dan Weber. Dan, hopefully you got a chance to kind of catch your breath over the last week or so it's been was so crazy for a while and now it's just kind of slowed down a little bit yeah it went from uh, one extreme to the other uh pretty <laughs> much news to pretty much uh, no news thanks thanks for uh, zach banner stepping up uh you know sunday night at the uh at the football banquet and uh you know telling us he's coming back which i think kind of surprised us a little bit and it was giving you the indication that you know he he, you know, had a really good second half of the season, got to be kind of the team leader with Max Turk not being there. And you just had the sense that we've seen this before, uh, especially among, you know, linemen, that, uh-oh, here he goes. And he surprises us all. I think he made the right decision. I think he's got a chance to be a first-team All-American. And, you know, his goal, obviously, to be a first-round draft pick. And, uh I think he's got a chance now. I mean, there's a lot of work, you know, ahead of, you know, for him and maybe losing some weight and uh, doing a lot of things. But, uh, but that, you know, that's the, this week's really good piece of news. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, I guess that was the one thing of news that was going on that, you know, they had the, the banquet and the players were announced. MVP was uh, Dory Jackson. I don't know, uh, you know, we don't have to go over all the awards, but did you have any thoughts on, the MVP or anyone else that got a That was an interesting call. I mean, I think uh, uh, it's uh, this was a, uh, our former you know intern Marshall Charrington uh, uh, made it this uh, aware that this is the first time that USC's had three players uh, with the uh, average more than a hundred yards in uh, uh, total yards per game, uh, and you needed somebody obviously on defense, and you had. Uh, a wide receiver, Gigi uh, Smith-Schuster, and a running back in uh, in Ronald Jones. Uh, so you you had, or sorry, Justin Davis. You had uh, three guys uh, for the first time ever 
for USC with uh, 100 yards uh, average uh, per game total yards, which would seem like, wow, that's uh, 300 yards uh, already. And just these three guys, one would seem like you could go back and say, man, that team probably should have done a little bit better. And, <laughs> you know, those are the kind of numbers that you kind of throw you off and you say, wow, I wonder how that, how that worked. But, but, uh, but Adoree, uh, I think, I think partly you would say his commitment, I mean, his practice, uh, ethic, the fact that he's got, you know, as, as, as much as you do, uh, you know, gives it everything he's got and practices hurt and all that. Uh, Adoree gets to do that, you know, on all three phases. So he basically doesn't stop in practice. I mean, he's out there early catching, you know, punts and kickoffs and, uh, and, and on both sides of the ball. And, uh, it's pretty remarkable, uh, you know, what he did this year, uh, you know, when you, when you take it all into, into, you know, consideration. So, I guess I wasn't probably thinking uh, Adoree uh, to start out with, and, and now I think it's a pretty good uh, – I think that was a good call. Dan, so we, we kind of talked about the slow news period outside of the, you know, the awards banquet and Zach Banner going up on stage and telling people he's going to come back for a senior season. Um, we don't have any word yet from uh, Sua Cravens, but I believe that's supposed to happen tomorrow, right? That's, that's I your think it's – I think it's tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. So he's supposed to announce. I can think on Twitter. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird with so much stuff has been going on and, you know, a bunch of assistant coaches get fired. We get to, it was a really a brief, uh, you know, phone call with Clay Helton the day after the championship game. So that was last Sunday, I guess, you know, nine days ago or whatever it was now. And it was so kind of shocking. We didn't even ask like certain questions just because there was like, there was all this news going on with the, the assistant coaches kind of being fired. We tried to press them as much as we could and, uh, and, and you know, kind of got what we have. But we haven't really heard from Clay Helton since then, which is weird when you're talking about, you know, there's a bowl game coming up and all that. And just to have, you know, nine days now, and, it, you know, it'll probably be a couple more um, until we really hear anything. It's just been a weird time. Yeah, it has. I mean, they've kind of gone, uh, you know, uh, off the grid, as they say, or whatever, underground, uh, which, uh, uh, if you can accomplish that at USC football, uh, you're doing something, whether that's, uh, necessarily a good thing or not. I don't know, but, uh, that's something we don't, we don't often see. Yeah, we don't often see that. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep you up to date with what's going on, um, as much as we hear. Um, you know, we still don't have a practice schedule yet. Uh, I know all of the other, uh, Pac-12 teams have, that are in bowl games have started practice, and, and USC is not. Um, but we'll keep you up to date when we hear stuff. But, yeah, it's been kind of radio silence out of Heritage Hall, John McKay Center. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember that happening, I don't think, ever. No, I don't think it, I don't think ever. You know, and maybe this is a year where if ever there was a year, you should probably take a week off and uh, and and just stay quiet. This might be the year, uh, when you, when you look back at it and say, holy cow, did all that stuff really happen? <laughs> I mean, it's not that long ago that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was the head coach at USC. And, you know, so a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff. Yeah. With the Sark lawsuit and everything just kind of happened, like three big things happening, happening in like 24 hour period. So it all kind of happened at once. And then we've just kind of had no, nothing much since then. Um, yeah, I mean, thank goodness. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess, thank goodness, they could have done it one day at a time, you know, with the McNair lawsuit also. Uh, but, uh, again, that's a classic USC. 
for all that stuff to happen at once. It's not classic USC then for it to go away for you know more than a week. Uh, that's uh, that's unusual. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's answer some of the questions, and uh, probably won't be a super long podcast today. We wanted to get back out there, back on the airwaves or the internet waves or whatever we call them now with the podcast. Um, let's see. So we had a question from Nick. He wanted to know your vibe on Sua Cravens and Zach Banner if they are leaving early, and anyone else you think who might. Well, I mean, I would have guessed from sitting there, and Zach was pretty much the last guy getting dressed after the Stanford game, where you always think, mm, doesn't want to leave, this is it, you know, he's got a ball game. But I would have probably said, I think he's going after listening to Zach, even though he made it clear how all these great goals that he had and he wasn't going to get them and he made it clear, you know, hey, I'm really proud of myself when you you have this opportunity to leave or to stay. He said a lot of guys kind of get a little complacent about their college game and their college team and start looking ahead. And he said, I haven't done that. So he gave us that little bit of a, you know, a hint that, that he was loving what he was doing proud that he wasn't uh, looking ahead, uh, but you just thought, well, does that give him enough boost to think, okay, I'm making a lot of progress. I mean, I still remember when Mike Williams was a sophomore, and he, I think, caught like 11 passes against UCLA. Oh, gosh, I can't even think of a little All-American defensive back they had. Uh, who they matched up one-on-one against Mike Williams, and Mike caught 11 passes in the first half <laughs> against the kid. And, and he decided, college football, I'm past college football now. I'm, I'm ready to make a move. And he got into that, you know, thing with uh, Maurice Claret of Ohio State and, you know, tried to go early. Uh, and so you, you get that sense of, uh-oh, you know, that little deja vu, of, oh, is he kind of thinking maybe I need to probably – keep moving on and moving up. But I think he made the right decision. I think there's a lot he can get done. I mean, and it's a, a faith-based decision to some extent. We don't have, a, you know, a, an offensive line coach. Uh, I mean, Clay has made it clear, you know, this is going to be a run first, win, win it in the trenches offense, which has to be, you know, good news for, for guys like Zach Banner. So, uh, uh, so I think, you know, in a lot of ways you could say this make, this is a good decision for him. You know, if you're going to be maybe a, a middle of the pack guy and you got a chance to go, you know, the first round, that's a, I think economically that's a very good decision. Career wise, that's a good decision. Uh, and so, but it has to be where you've got the ability maybe to make that kind of jump. And I think USC fans have to hope that, that, that that's exactly what's in Zach's mind is I'm going to be the player that can jump from whatever wherever I would have been drafted to where I will be drafted uh after next year. So uh as far as Sua, I don't know. Do you do, you know he's obviously really disappointed in, in where he finished in all the awards and the all America teams and he did he get the lost in the shuffle and a USC defense that very often didn't seem to know what it was doing and, and who it was and how it was gonna, you know, use everybody. Yeah, he did. Did he make a lot of great plays? Is he a great athlete? Absolutely. Uh, if USC came to him with a plan and said, you know, you're going to be uh, strong safety and we're going to, you know, play you where you're going to play in the NFL, we're going to feature you, we're going to, you know, let you focus all of your, you know, attention on that, and uh, you'll come back as a, you know, surefire, absolute, you know, first-round guy, 
Eh, that would be an interesting, you know, decision that I think to, if you're Sua, they have to make that. Again, you're asking them to do it on faith. You don't even have a defensive, you know, a, a, a defensive back coach. So the two guys you're most interested in, are they coming back or not? You don't have coaches for Now, who knows? Maybe they know something we don't know or we haven't been told. Uh, and that could be factoring into it that, uh, but I don't, I don't have a really good feeling on, uh, on exactly where Sue is. He was certainly, you know, outspoken about wanting Clay Helton to be the coach and that that would definitely impact his decision. So, you know, that's happened. So what, what happens now? You know, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't have guessed right probably on Zach. And so I'm not sure I can, you know, try to outguess, uh, you know, where the Sue Cravens is, uh, thing is going. Anyone else do you think? I, I didn't really thought about too much about other juniors that could potentially go. Like we talked about Justin Davis maybe before or something because he's a running back. But and anyone, anyone one else? would hope not. One would hope no one's even thinking those thoughts uh, this year. Uh, it's just, there's just so much that these guys could. I, I mean, I'm, I don't think there's one that you could look at that couldn't significantly help himself you know, for next year. I mean, I just think uh, across the board, uh, it would be such a reach, I think, for anybody else, you know, on this roster uh, who's, you know, who doesn't have to go to go. I just, it doesn't, you know, I can't come up with anybody. Yeah. I mean, well, it really didn't make sense for George Farmer to do it last year either. And, you know, he still did it. It didn't didn't really work out, but... um... All right. Oh, I wanted to thank our sponsor too. I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Uh, Michael Moline Real Estate. He's our buddy, uh, from USC. Uh, he does the stats and the Coliseum. We're actually going to try to get him on the podcast to kind of talk about the whole stats process. And while there's some downtime, that's actually a good time to do it. So you can go to his website, michaelmalinerealestate.com. So he's in Southern California, based in Beverly Hills. If you need help in real estate here in Southern California, go to michaelmalinerealestate.com or you can give him a call at 310. 310- Two seven five four six eight eight. Give him a call. Really good dude. Uh, Dan and I know him pretty good now. So um, cool stuff with Michael. So forgot to mention that at the top. We'll also have a message from him at the end of the show. Um, we have a, a question from Melvin, Dan. He says, I read that Georgia just hired an offensive coordinator. Texas just hired an offensive coordinator. Alabama hired a defensive coordinator. Ohio State hired a defensive coordinator. Don't you think USC had better go out and look for their assistance now? Before it's too late to get a good coach. Remember, we we need both a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. Plus, each of the above listed teams are also playing in bowl games. Uh, that's from Melvin. And and just to mention, I mean, getting a Greg Schiano, who's like a you know head coaching candidate to be a coordinator, or you know Pruitt, the hottest name out there. I mean, you go. I mean, there's some big ones going on. Texas flying the president on private planes around to look for an offensive coordinator. I mean, there's some big efforts by the other major powers going to get assistant coaches that we're not really seeing from USC right now. Well, I mean, we're certainly not seeing it. Uh, that doesn't, I don't know that that means absolutely not happening. Uh, under the, you know, again, under the radar, off the grid, uh, are there some, you know, understandings? Have there been some, you know, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I think, for example, people didn't see Greg Ciano to Ohio State coming. Uh, and there are some of these other hires you haven't seen coming. Some you do, uh, like the Texas stuff. But, uh, uh, so, you know, there may be more going on 
than anyone is saying. And it, it might be one of those ones where there's one guy, you know, under consideration and he's the guy. And for whatever reason, uh, that, you know, hasn't been, been finalized. Uh, and again, this is the first time, uh, Clay has gone through this. This is the first time he's done this. Uh, you know, and he's, he's working with, uh, in an athletic department that we're not completely sure how functional it is at this point in time. Uh, you know, it's taken a lot of shots, a lot of body blows, uh, against this, you know, USC athletic administration for, uh, you know, you know, for, for the way they didn't act with Lane, the way they didn't act with their, you know, coach O'Neill in basketball, the way they did act with Sark, the way they didn't act with Sark, the way they didn't act with the NCAA. I mean, you name it. These, this, this staff, uh, you know, in terms of the athletic administration, has has taken some shots. How, you know, cautious do they have to be at this point in time? How, you know, are they in sync with the brand new coach and all of that? You're going to have to make some moves. If you're, you know, letting go most of a staff, uh, which that possibly, you know, could be the outcome, uh, you know, you're talking about buyouts and all kinds of things. Uh, maybe there's just more things that have to happen uh, that, they're all working their way through. I mean, you know, Clay Helton is not Urban Meyer. You know, Clay Helton can't just say, yeah, I want this guy, and, yeah, we'll pay him a couple of million dollars a year, and uh, let's go for it, and boom, it's done. You know, I'm sure. Do you think Urban Meyer had to consult with anyone to bring Greg Ciano in? Probably not, you know. I mean, the president of Ohio State might have, you know, called Urban and said, you know, uh, is there anything you can tell me about who you're going to hire? Uh, I don't think it's working that way at USC. So, you know, this is something that, uh, I think, you know, Clay is going to have to develop, you know, those kinds of skills and, and, and maybe that's happening. And the more we get a chance to talk with him between now and the holiday bowl, maybe, you know, the more we'll find out about that. But, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's quiet to the point where USC probably ought to realize that they need to make a little more noise just to calm people down or just to give people a sense of, yeah, stuff's really going on, you know. I mean, and, and this, is, this is one of the problems I think with USC is there's kind of an insularity there where it's like, we know what we're doing. Don't even question us. You know, we're, we don't have to justify anything, you know. Well, yeah, you kind of do. You know, you're going to go out and ask for $270 million to redo the Coliseum. And you're going to, you know, you got a brand new coach and you probably ought to, somebody ought to be helping him, you know, uh, look like he's on top of things. And that's not happening. And it doesn't seem like there's a sense at USC right now of, you know, we need to make this kind of, uh, you know, look like we're in the mix with all these other programs where we really consider ourselves at least the equal of, if not better than, and, uh, and that's not happening and that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think if you had a track record like Ohio state or somewhere, you know, Alabama, and there was not a lot going on, you'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I feel pretty confident they're doing the right thing. The problem is USC's track record at making these big decisions has not been good over the past, Five years, I guess you could say. So there isn't, it doesn't seem, Dan, at least from the people that are tweeting me and the people on the message board, there's not a lot of confidence when 
there's good news coming that they feel like, oh man, they're going to get something, someone terrible. And I, I mean, it's hard to disagree with them just because of the track record. Yeah. Maybe there's some great plan behind the scenes that we don't know about and everyone's going to be shocked. Wow. This is an amazing staff, which was part of the thing with Lane Kiffin when they brought him in. It was more about the staff that he brought to Monty Kiffin and Ed Ordron and guys like that. I'm just not sure. I think they need some kind of buzz because it was such a, a kind of a downer for a lot of the fans when Clay Helton was hired, then getting crushed in the, the Pac-12 championship game. It just seems, Dan, that they needed something to kind of boost morale a little bit. And no news for like nine days is not a way to boost morale. Yeah. And the one, you know, good piece of news came from one of the players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'd like to see a more, uh, a more proactive, uh, you know, way of doing this. Uh, and I think it's just something to generate, uh, you know, some of that confidence that you, you really would like to see. And, and again, it's not all on the football program. It's on the people in charge of, uh, you know, the people who are running the football program because of the track record of, I mean, when basically every big decision in the last five years appears to have been gotten wrong, and then the final one is, is Clay Helton being hired, and not so much uh, the thought that they got that wrong, is what the heck was exactly the process that got to that? Uh, and so, you know, I think most people, because they respect Clay and what he's done, his time here, and all of that, are, are, are willing to absolutely to some extent, at least a, a, a good portion of USC fans are willing to, you know, give Clay the benefit of the doubt. Uh, some are not at all, but some are. And uh, you would like to then see USC help Clay at this point in time. You know, not that this is going to matter. If you get the coaches right and you win football games, it doesn't matter, you know, how you – you know, talk to us or deal with us or, you know, how you make yourself look good other than, you know, coaching football and winning football games. But at this point in time, I think just the USC athletic department probably needs kind of that sense of, yeah, we're on top of it. Yeah, we're going to do everything we can to compete at the absolute top level. Yeah, we know we got to catch up to Stanford and, and Oregon. Yeah, we know they're, they're getting things right in a lot of areas. And they're the cutting edge programs on the West Coast. And yeah, you know, uh, we know we've got some catching up to do. And this is how we're going to do it. But absent, you know, hearing anything about, you know, this is what we're doing, um, it's a little, yeah, I think it's a little worrisome. And, and I, and what's worrisome is they don't seem to understand they need to be doing some of that, that they just can't go off the grid for this much time and just go away. Um, all right, let's move on to Melvin's question. Uh, after seeing the all-conference decade team by the Pac-12 station, so we talk about Pac-12 Network, I totally agree that Coach uh, McKay was a good choice as coach of the decade. However, who would you have voted second in the coach's vote? Pete Carroll, Jim Owens, John Robinson, or whoever? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, and I think when you, you start talking to coaches, you start, you know, if you're talking all sensory, uh, you know, uh, Howard Jones, is he in there? I mean, he basically, you know, created the USC football program when he came out in the, you know, the 20s. 
and all the things he did, you know, in terms of the uh, Notre Dame rivalry that probably put both teams, you know, into the forefront of, you know, college football in America and won, you know, USC's first national championship. So I don't know. Uh, um, I mean, like Terry Donahue was coach for like 27 years. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys, that, but just the problem is no one really has won a bunch of championships except USC head coaches. So is that what you put the, you know, the, the emphasis on, like Pete Carroll for, you know, nine years or whatever, or like Terry Donahue won a lot of games over like 27 years or whatever he was, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the amazing thing when you look at that all century, you know, stuff. Um, the USC dominance, I mean, I, I, there's no other conference in America where that would have happened where 24 of the 50 players for the all century team were from USC, uh, you know, from one school. But that's just unheard of. And the coach and the defensive player of the century. I mean, that's just, uh, beyond amazing. Uh, and that, that's how the vote turned out. You know, it wasn't a case of, you know, we need some parity here. We can't have all five running backs from USC, can we? You know, or four of the seven offensive linemen from USC. What about the other 11 schools? Didn't look like they asked that question. And, and this is a case, you know, where a guy like Carson Palmer, uh, you know, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is still playing in the NFL. Didn't make it, you know, didn't make one of the, you know, the five quarterback slots. Uh, uh, it just, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, with the coaches though, I might take a look a little farther back just to see, although obviously Pete has to be in the, you know, that top couple. Uh, but, uh, but I think the coaches is a little more interesting. And I, I think there were a player or two. They absolutely, you know, Ernie Nevers from Stanford, you know, in the twenties. What a great player he must. And, and Mel Hine, uh, the center from Washington State, maybe the greatest, you know, center ever to play football, who finished up his career as a, um, as a USC coach. Uh, but, uh, 15 years in the NFL didn't miss a game. Uh, you know, played both ways. Uh, I think he should have been on the team. Uh, but, uh, so I think maybe some of the older guys, uh, probably didn't, didn't get all that, uh, you know, uh, you know, fair shot. And that's just probably the way it is if you're going to go back a whole century. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think they got it. I think they, they darn near got it right. And I don't think he could have gone anywhere other than Coach McKay, uh, as, as the number one guy. All right, let's uh let's go Gene in Orange County. He says, I think USC needs to change their recruiting priorities. Uh for several years we've gone after and got five star receivers, linebackers, and quarterbacks. We need to start concentrating on the offensive and defensive linemen. All the good teams have great lines, and that is where the game is won or lost. If you can't block for the quarterback, then he is ineffective. You only need three star receivers if the quarterback has time to find them. We have we have been beaten game after game with average receivers. We need five-star alignment. Thanks again for the podcast. That's Gene in Orange County. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think they've got some building blocks. I think these freshman defensive linemen, for example, that's as good a group uh, as a group physically and athletically as they've had to build on. Uh, you know, there's there's some. You know, they're young, obviously, but. Uh, but that's an, you know, that's an Alabama quality, I think, defensive front as a young group. Obviously, now that you're basically going to have a, a kind of a third year, uh, average offensive line group, uh, there's no more excuses for this group. You know, there's no more, 
no more misses, no more whiffs, no more holding, no more jumping off sides and then, and, and, you know, moving early and all that. That has to go away. I mean, this is, you know, an offensive line that they got to get themselves into shape and they got to get quicker. They got to move their bodies better. But this is an offensive line that should be absolutely dominant in college football. And if they're not, you know, something's wrong. But now they've got to build on these. They've got two nucleuses, uh, and they've really got to keep building. And I don't disagree. I think maybe we've been a little wide receiver heavy. Uh, and uh, I think they've got to, you know, if this is how you're going to play, um, you know, you're going to be run first, win the game in the trenches, and stop the run. Uh, that's got to be the focus. And you've got to be the program that's recruiting nationally uh, because you're not always, you know, year after year, you're not going to get those kinds of players in California. Uh, you know, the, the D-line class that came in was probably really unusual. Uh, same for the offensive line a year before. But uh, I think USC has to be the place to go for the really big, talented offensive linemen around the country. And USC has to make that really clear how important, you know, that you can be the next Leonard Williams, you know, if you come in here. Uh, and, uh, you know, not necessarily the next Andre Walker, but, uh, but the next Leonard Williams, you want to be that guy. You come to USC, you know, from Florida or from Texas or from the East Coast somewhere. And uh, I do think that's the next place you'd like to see the, the recruiting, uh, you know, step up. All right. Let's go to Bear Secutor, who does, he likes asking uh, recruiting questions. He had three kind of quicker ones for you. Um, his first one is, why is Coach Nansen being retained when our special teams ranked like 100 in the nation, the nation and you were cleaning house? Really good question. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Uh, I answer. mean, a really, really good question. Uh, yep. We, we don't know. I, you know, uh, one of the uh, things. You're, uh, Bear Secutor, not the first guy to ask that question. Uh, uh, so far, no answer. And, well, so, well, you know, and I think one of the things is special teams is very complicated. Um, and it might be difficult to, you know, just like uh, Peter Sermon's retained. Um, does he stick around? Is it mostly because he's a recruiting coordinator and they needed him for the next month or so? Does he leave on his own accord after the bowl game? Does Clay Helton let him go too? I think the same thing could happen with any coach on the staff that Clay Helton could fire them after the bowl game that he needed to keep at least some people together for the bowl. And maybe you keep a Nansen if you were thinking about getting rid of him because he, he has to run special teams and it's very complicated. And there's all these parts that need to be in place. It would be tough to bring someone new in to kind of run the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, that's that's one theory. Or he's or he's you know he's sticking around. We don't really know. But I, I guess that's one theory. Yeah, I, I think he has one advantage. He's coached defensive line. He's coached linebackers. He's coached running backs, and he's coached uh, special teams. So uh, he's got the ability, depending on how the other hires go to fill in somewhere. Uh, he also was doing some recruiting. So, you know, it could be some specific recruiting issues also involved there that uh, make this, you know, extend through through December and, and, and you see what happens. But uh, but I wouldn't, you know, say, you know, check it off. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I would put any of those guys in next year's media guide right now. Yeah. All right. His second one was, how are you going to assemble – uh, a broad, balanced, highly specialized coaching staff when you have two guys, uh, 
Tia Martin and Tu Asasopo, Marcus Tu Asasopo, who are basically quarterback coaches aspiring to call plays slash be an offensive coordinator, and you personally are not going to take on a position coach's responsibility. Doesn't this team desperately need an expert special teams coach? Well, you know, I think there's so many different approaches to special teams. I mean, I was partial to Kyle Whittingham at Utah a couple of years ago when he ran out of, you know, coaching slots, and he ended up saying, well, I'll be the special teams coach, and I think they were like the best special teams in the country, and they still are in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, I always liked Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech and the way, you know, his approach to special teams. Uh, I think the head coach's involvement in special teams is really, really important. Uh, so, I mean, I think there are a lot of ways to, you know, to get to the, you know, special teams, you know, emphasis. You know, do you break it up and split it up? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I just think there's no one good answer, and it does get impacted by what are all the other guys on the, you know, staff, what are their best, you know, think the best things that they can offer to the staff, and and so you you basically with the NCA slots, you kind of come up one slot short of having the ability to have a full time special teams coach, or if you go with a full time special teams coach, you run out of special you know uh, position group you know spots, so uh, you know like maybe you don't have a tight ends coach or something like that, so. Um, it's not an easy answer going forward, not knowing who all the different people are. Uh, USC's answer this year certainly didn't seem to be, uh, you know, uh, didn't seem to be the answer. But some of that is USC, for example, had six scholarships invested in special teams players, four in kickers. Uh, <laughs> That didn't work out so well. No. I mean, I, I, you know, you gotta love the, you know, the snapper Zach Smith and the older, you know, you know, Connor Sullivan. But as far as the four guys booting the ball, uh, not so much. Uh, so, you know, it may not be just in your ability to coach them up week to week. Uh, it might, it really also depends on your ability to, you know, determine who you know, deserve scholarships and who you're going to invest, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, who gets that kind of an investment. And those were decisions made, you know, say before, you know, or not, you know, Clay Helton didn't make those decisions. And, uh, you know, those were decisions made, you know, previously to some extent or at least by uh, by Sark uh, for a couple of them. And, uh, you know, did they get them right? Well, right now it doesn't necessarily look like it when you see, you know, what some of these other, you know, what UCLA is getting out of their kicker, what you, uh, what Utah is getting out of their punter from Australia, uh, USC, uh, doesn't seem to be able to, uh, you know, have, have you know, emulated, uh, their, you know, success by, uh, you know, getting, you know, by investing scholarships, but, uh, but not maybe getting that, you know, the same kind of play. So, yeah, overall, I thought it was unbelievably disappointing. Um, uh, you know, special teams, I thought the, you know, kickoff coverage really did well for much of the year and then it kind of tailed off. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, across the board, uh, not very satisfactory. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the other reasons to, to go after John Harbaugh from the Baltimore Ravens 
he was a special teams coordinator before he became the head coach. He would be perfect in college because he could run special teams like you mentioned some of those other coaches did. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I would like <clears> – I think the more involvement the head coach has in special teams, the better. Now, I think Clay was spread pretty thin by all the work he was trying to do with the defense. So I'm not sure, you know, if the head coach can – can be, you know, coming in as the offensive coordinator and then trying to cover up on defense and then adding, uh, you know, uh, special teams oversight. That, that may be, you know, one, at least one, uh, one too many there. But, uh, but I, I'd still like to see if, you know, Clay can spend a little more time if he's, uh, you know, able to, you know, pull out of the, uh, offense as, as he, you know, as he plans to do. Uh, I think that that couldn't do anything but good, but good. But uh, to try to you know scope that out right now, not knowing who you know who's going to be the running backs coach, who's going to be the you know the uh, secondary coach, who's going to be the you know tight ends coach, who's, you know all of those things, we, we really don't know, and so we don't know how those pieces are going to go into place for special teams. All right, let's move on to Derek. He said, "Hello, uh, Ryan, Coach, and Dan. I want to thank all of you for what you do." Long-time listener, and what you do is therapy for all of us. I have to say that I know that we have the highest expectations of winning and dominating, but the reality uh, of it is impossible, isn't it? Name one coach or team that has. Why do our fans act like Clay Helton is the worst coach for USC? Are they the exact same people that said it was when we hired Coach Carroll? I want some of us to relax and check yourself at the door. Thanks again, and fight on from Derek. Yeah, I tend to agree that, that, you know, going forward at this point in time, the glass has to be half full. You just have to assume that things, you know, I don't know if you assume, but you just have to, you know, and we've always said hope is not a plan, but you just have to hope that the plan is going to work, I guess, <laughs> at this point. And so you, you know, you just, I mean, let, I will say this. If you look back at recent history, you think, gosh, they got this, all, all these things wrong. And yet, USC got through the worst sanctions, you know, since SMU, uh, far better than anybody would have predicted or anybody would have expected or anybody, uh, you know, certainly NCAA didn't expect USC to get through this with two 10 win seasons, no losing seasons. <clears throat> and if you just said, <clears throat> on top of this, I'm going to give you a head coach with the issues that Lane Kiffin had, and I'm going to give you a head coach with the issues Steve Sarkeesian had, and I'm going to give you an administration whose decisions about the NCAA over time are going to be proven, you know, completely wrong. Uh, and I'm going to give you all of these things, and I'm going to give you 30 fewer scholarships. People would have said, there's no way that program's going to be on their hands and knees. Uh, you know, coming out of, out of the NCAA sanctions. And it should be. So what it says is USC's got something going for it that nobody else, uh, has. I mean, and you could say that absolutely. Ohio State, how did they do that? One year they were, you know, uh, uh, really sanctioned. Uh, uh, Alabama, you know, was crippled. Uh, I mean, if Notre Dame ever got hammered like this they'd be on their hands and knees usc wasn't that's amazing i mean it's truly beyond all 
uh, you know, comprehension that the USC considering all the things that happen is where it is. Or, you know, now you could say, well, they could be, uh, and they could, no question about it. But there, USC has something going for it that is maybe even hard to quantify. But there's something there that seems to carry, you know, USC through that uh, probably wouldn't, you know, uh, work the same way at any other school in America. And so from that standpoint, you got to say USC's got a chance. And you can't answer any more than that at this point in time. Um, you know, you probably weren't going to get Urban Meyer or Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney or, you know, or Mark D'Antonio. So, you know, absent that, you, you are where you are, and you've taken a chance. Every other thing would have, you know, been kind of a chance. Uh, uh, and so, you know, you could have gone for Bob Stoops maybe. Would he come? I don't know. You could have gone for, you know, Tom Herman at, you know, Houston. Would he come? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, USC went for, uh, you know, for Clay Helton. And uh, I think, does he have a chance? Yeah, he's got a chance. Have we seen anything since the end of the season that says, okay, He's got a chance. Well, you know, he was pretty decisive that Sunday after the uh, Stanford game about, you know, half of his, you know, assistant coaching staff. So, from you know, the quiet and the silence hasn't helped here in the last uh, eight or nine days. But uh, but he's got a chance. Zach Banner coming back says he's probably, you know, it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, okay, one last one for you, Dan. We have Steve in Northern Virginia. It's kind of a weird one. He says, I've been wondering for a long time why USC fell apart at the end of the 2012 season and lost four of the last five as well as the Sun Bowl. I know Matt Barkley was injured, but it just looked like the team fell apart. Can you provide some insight? Thanks for all you do. Fight on. Steve in Northern Virginia. Well, it was that one play in Arizona, remember? <laughs> right? uh, Lane kept saying if that one play that he rode in the ground on the, you know, in the grass where uh, they were going to you know, throw the bomb to, you know, Robert Woods. If that play goes, uh, you know, they don't give up that whatever it was, two, three touchdown lead against Arizona, uh, cause they'd have had a four touchdown lead or whatever it was. And they would have won that game and they'd have kept moving on. Yeah. They, it was obviously a vote of no confidence, I think, in, in Lane. Um, uh, and, you know, just, uh, there were so many issues, you know, uh, personality issues there. Uh, and there was such a lack of confidence. And, uh, you know, the coaching staff obviously wasn't on the same page. Uh, and, uh, you know, culminated in the just beyond embarrassing Sun Bowl where, you know, could anything more have gone wrong than, you know, you know the fight in the locker room and the, Lane taking back the, uh, you know, offensive coordinator duties before the game from some of the assistant coaches who really didn't like that. And then ended up in, in, you know, in El Paso where they had the ability to, you know, alienate every single person in, uh, you know, that part of Texas. And, uh, you know, that was about as ugly as it could get. But, you know, everything that could go wrong, they got wrong. And, um, and Lane basically shouldn't have still probably been there to do what he did in, in El Paso. He probably never should have made it to the sidelines. He, of course, put Max Wittick in a situation where he was just, you know, doomed to failure. I mean, they kept acting through that whole time like 
Matt Barkley might be able to play. And then you see him in El Paso. You talk about news blackout. He couldn't even pick up a ball with his right arm, you know, his right hand and right arm. I mean, he was throwing underhand, left-handed passes in the first practices, and they're saying, hey, he still might play. <laughs> it was just goofy. I mean, it was craziness. And then on top of everything else, you had the Ronald McDonald shoes. And no team should ever be allowed to finish strong wearing those shoes. <laughs> and that was – they got new ones for the Sun Bowl. I mean – Oh, our new red and yellow shoes are here. Oh, great. Even shinier. I mean, uh, that was just beyond. Uh, that, I mean, I, that gives you shivers just to think back to all the things that happened. And we won't even go into what happened uh, a couple of nights before the, uh, the Sun Bowl kickoff. Uh, and the coach who has to show up, you know, in makeup with big, you know, heavy glasses. Uh, it just, you know. And, and why all those things happened, um, you know, it, it all revolved around, you know, around Lane and, and his probably, you know, his, you know, personality issues that, that, you know, affected the coaches, the players, and, and you know, the team's performance. All right. Well, Dan, it was an interesting show. Great stuff. We're kind of all over the place, but it's a, it's been quiet, which we will we'll relish for right now. We'll take the quiet after it's been so crazy for so many months and really so many years but it's kind of nice we still got a bunch of questions in which was cool hopefully you guys enjoyed that and uh dan hopefully we'll, we'll get some news kind of pumping by next week we'll have some some bowl practices and we'll be able to talk about the holiday bowl a lot more yeah and i'll, I'll say this i'll take the quiet i'll take the complete blackout over the uh 2012 finish yeah <laughs> uh you know I, you start getting shakes just thinking about how that went. So uh, I'm, I'm all for a total blackout if we don't have to go back to 2012. Uh, unfortunately, there was news there, and uh, uh, you didn't want that news. So uh, this is this is way better. And please never bring that up again if you would uh, on the <laughs> podcast. Fair enough. All right. Well, thanks for everyone sending the questions, and thank you to Dan Weber for coming on the show. Um, we will talk to you. We're going to probably do another show this week. I think Gerard will have him on for a recruiting show. So if you have any questions for recruiting, send them into podcast at uscfootball.com. But thanks to Dan. And here's uh thanks for everyone listening. And here's a quick message from our sponsor, Michael Moline Real Estate. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael M O L I N E realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 